Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. We want to read a few verses there, and also in Matthew chapter 3. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now a likeness is a picture of, you know, if I have a picture of my wife and I, it's a likeness of us, or family, or whoever you may have a picture of. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, we find it says in verse 13, Then cometh Jesus, listen carefully, from Galilee to Jordan unto John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, there's, there are many, many scriptures about baptism. Let me read one more in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and then we'll conclude the reading for the time being. In Mark chapter 1, it says in verse 4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I, after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came, now I want you to notice this, verse 9, from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. He came from a distance of 60 or 70 miles and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, having read those three passages of Scripture, I think that will suffice for now. There are many things about baptism that are que people question and bring up as questions. But I'd like to just give you a few Bible facts and then talk about... Uh, some other things in our message. First of all, uh, buried in the likeness of his death shows us, or planted in the likeness of his death, that we read first of all, shows us that baptism is a picture or likeness of Christ's death and burial and resurrection. It says that we're buried or planted in the likeness of his death. And in Romans 6, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We know that it could not be literal. The word baptized means to be immersed. We could not literally be immersed into his death. So what we're talking about has to be symbolical or a picture or a likeness of being immersed into his death. 
And it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ, the word like is very important, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And the word likeness is used twice again in verse 5. So the first thing that we want to give you as a Bible fact about baptism is that it's a picture. It's a likeness. It's symbolical. We read also in Matthew 3 where we find the actual baptism of Jesus. And he submitted himself to baptism. He came from all the way up in uh, Nazareth of Galilee, a distance of about 60 or 70 miles, to where John was baptizing in Jordan. And he asked John to baptize him. He came to the right place. He came to the right person. John was the baptizer. And he came for the right purpose. He was baptized in the right way. He was immersed in the water. In fact, baptism means to be immersed. And it met with divine approval. And the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so, there was divine approval upon John's mission. There was divine approval on jo upon John's ministry and upon John's message. The mission and the ministry and the message. The message we give out in the Bible here about salvation is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible teaches that every believer should follow Jesus in baptism. And we'll give you other evidence of that in a moment. But we find that uh, the ministry and the mission, the purpose of this church is to preach the gospel. And Jesus gave a threefold commission which said what? That to go into all nations and make disciples. You make disciples by causing people to hear and understand and believe the gospel message, and they believe and they become a disciple or a follower of Christ. They are born again. They're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And then when, they're, when that is done, baptizing them, he says, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 28, verse 19 that we've been quoting for you. So, uh, and then it says further, the third thing that we're to do after they're baptized is to teach them. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so the mission of this church and every local church should be threefold. To make disciples, to baptize those disciples, and also to teach them the Word of God. And that, you know, we simplify it. God makes things more simple than man. We studied in Sunday school this morning where the Lord can take, give us one verse of Scripture and it would take most of us about two pages to even try to begin to explain that one verse. But the Lord is direct in His Word. Now, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. The Bible teaches that he was the forerunner of Christ. The prophecies concerning him prove that he is the forerunner of Christ. And his baptism is proven to be from heaven. There are scriptures that show that. that the baptism of John was from heaven. Jesus asked the question in uh, Mark 11, verse 30, The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. You know, they were trying to get Jesus in a kind of a cross argument there. And he said, well, I want to know one thing about you. Do you believe the baptism of John was from heaven or of men? And they couldn't answer him. They knew that they better not answer him. They would be in a dilemma there as to their situation. We could go into that, but we will not. We know that Jesus also, in John 4, verses 1 and 2, baptized, made and baptized more disciples than John. John chapter 4, verse 1 says that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. So it says there that Jesus gave the authority to his disciples to do the baptizing, though he made and baptized as the leader of the disciples. 
more than John. He had the authority and he had committed this authority to his disciples to do the baptizing. Yet in regard to baptism, there are many questions in many minds. But I want us to notice three things about baptism. And you could, I mean, there's, there's no way. I mean, there's all kinds of ramifications about baptism that we could study this morning. And I have a lot of information, but I'll try to simplify it somewhat. Who is to be baptized? Three questions. Who is to be baptized? And then, how is he or she to be baptized? And then, what does it mean? What does it mean? Who, how, and what? That's simple enough, isn't it? Who is to be baptized? Only those who put their faith and trust, only those who have professed a saving faith in Christ are to be baptized. If they made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're a scriptural subject and a scriptural candidate for baptism. They're the ones that's to be baptized, those who have personally trusted the Lord as their Savior. And by the way, those only are the ones that will be baptized. There's no indication in the Bible that any person was ever baptized without faith. If they were dipped in the water without faith, it was not really scriptural baptism, because baptism constitutes a faith in Christ first of all. The Philippian jailer, when he was baptized, he believed in God as well as each member of his house. In Acts chapter 16, and it says that Paul and Silas baptized them the same hour of the night. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. You know, Philip preached to him as he was on his way, reading in the Bible, reading from the book of Isaiah. And the eunuch says, uh, Philip joined himself to that chariot, and Philip said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And the eunuch said, How can I understand? How can I except some man should guide me? And it says, Philip began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before his ears is dumb, so opened he not his mouth. And he began at that scripture, the prophecy of Isaiah, and preached Christ to him. And then the eunuch said, he said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I want to identify myself with that man that the prophet was speaking about who died for my sins. I want to identify myself with him. And here's the water. Why can I not... Can I be baptized? What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You may. And then they went down both into the water. That means they went down, walked down into it, got down into it. And then he baptized him. That means he immersed him in the water. Because that's what baptism means. I know Baptists are accused of being narrow-minded because we do not believe in uh, sprinkling and pouring. But you know, Bible baptism is immersion. Now, you can differ with me, and that's your privilege. But all the Greek lexicons say baptizo, or the original, means to dip. Little and Scott says to dip. Baxter says to bathe or immerse. And Sapulo says to dip, to immerse. And there's no Greek lexicon that does not give to dip or to immerse as the primary meaning of the word baptize or baptizo. And by the way, the word baptize, is not a translated word from the Greek language. It's a transliterated word. It means that it's taken out of the Greek language and moved over into the English language without changing the meaning at all. So it's not like you would say somebody's translation of that is not a translation. And so we find that there is a word for sprinkling, by the way, and there's a word for pouring. The word for sprinkling is rentiso, which means to sprinkle. Ikeo means to pour. Jesus didn't use the word that says to sprinkle water on someone or to pour water on someone. He used the word that says to immerse someone in the water. 
And that's why Bible-believing Bible Baptists believe that the true mode of baptism or the way a person's to be baptized is to be put in enough water that you can be baptized. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the only one that's to be baptized is a person who has saving faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism is commanded in the Great Commission. Jesus said those that believe are to be baptized. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. Jesus gave that commission to the church, and the church is responsible to carry out that commission. The examples of baptism, the New Testament, churches baptize their converts or believers. Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Those that received his word, believed the word, received the gospel message, were baptized. Acts 9, verse 20, Paul gets converted, and he was baptized, and it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. There's example after example in the New Testament where those that were baptized were those first who believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have those with us this morning that believe in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior and have trusted him thusly and will be baptized. And that's who's to be baptized. That's why we do not believe in baptizing babies. They're not to the age yet that they can of accountability where they can realize that they're doing anything. The parents may feel good about it, but uh, that's beside the point. The, the person, the child, when you come to the age of accountability and realize that you uh, have sinned and that you're a sinner and that Jesus is the Savior and you trust him as your Lord and Savior, then you're a, a candidate or a person uh, that is to be a subject for baptism. That's when you're supposed to be baptized, but not before. And uh, the Bible teaches that it's only those who have faith in Christ, only those who have saving faith in Christ. Now, I know there's all kinds of things being taught in the world today, and it's everyone's privilege to believe what they want to believe. But it's my responsibility to teach what the Bible says, and the Bible says that those believers, those that believe, are to be baptized. That's the teaching of the New Testament. That's the teaching of the Word of God. Now then, of course, we've touched on the way a person is to be baptized already somewhat. We've already discussed who is to be baptized, but now let's deal a little bit more with how is he or she to be baptized? How is a person to be baptized? What is the scriptural act of baptism? We said by immersion in water. And we said the very meaning of the word is to, to bathe or to dip or to immerse. That's what the word means. This is the primary meaning, and you cannot find any other meaning Anywhere else. In fact, even many of the ones that you would suspect would teach otherwise, being a different, of a different denomination, have admitted that the ancient mode of baptism was by immersion in water. Even Wesley, the founder of Methodism, admits that the ancient mode of baptism was immersion in water. Uh, the mode of baptism is what we're studying. We're baptized like Jesus was baptized. You know, as I said before, there are a lot of things that Jesus did that we cannot do, but this is one thing that he did that we can follow him. It says this in Matthew again, chapter 3. And Jesus, verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened in him. So when he was immersed, he went up straightway out of the water. In Acts chapter 8, let me read it here, and you can get the real uh, picture of what happened to the eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. 
he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down. Now listen carefully. It's a language. They went down both into the water. That's before he was baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. They both went down into the water. And it says, both Philip and the eunuch. Now, and then it says, and he baptized him. That means he immersed him in the water after they both went down into the water. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And we find that the same mode of baptism is used throughout the Scripture. Bible baptism is a very important thing. We baptize like the Bible teaches. First of all, it requires water. Water, you know, if you have something that you're evaluating, and there are five things about baptism I'd like to evaluate. Five things. You give each one of them a 20% value if you have five things. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. You give them 20% value. So let me give you what Bible baptism requires. First of all, we find it, it requires water. Acts 8 verse 36 says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Peter said in Acts 10 verse 47 concerning the house of Cornelius, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? So the first thing we come to the conclusion of is that, that to be baptized, you have to have water. Now then, it requires much water. We read where all were being baptized of John in the river of Jordan, a river where there was baptism. And it says in John 3, verse 23, you want this one for sure. It says that John was baptizing in Enon. Let me give you this. John 3, verse 23. And John also was baptizing in Enon near to Salem, Listen, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. So, baptism not only requires water, but it requires much water, at least enough water to immerse someone in. And then, baptism also requires going down into the water. And we've read that scripture. They both, they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. That's Acts 8, verse 38. It requires, for the fourth thing, Burial in water. That's Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Colossians 2, verse 12 says, buried with him in baptism. And it requires, fifthly, coming up out of the water. When they were come up out of the water, and straightway coming up out of the water, Mark chapter 1, verse 10, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. That's upon Jesus. So what is true Bible baptism? It takes water. It takes much water. It takes... Uh, it takes uh, going down into the water, it is classified as a burial in the water, and it takes coming up out of the water. Now, only immersion can meet that 100% requirement of Bible baptism. Because if you sprinkle someone, it does not take going down into the water, it does not take burying in the water, it does not take coming up out of the water, it does not take, it's only 20%, all you have is water. When you pour water on someone, that's all you have is 20% of Bible baptism. Now, I'm saying this for the benefit of all who want to believe God's Word as far as baptism is concerned, that if you're going to be baptized, the proper mode of baptism is going down into the water and being immersed in the water. Now then, what does it mean? We've already seen who is to be baptized. Who is it? A believer. What does it mean? Is the, And we've seen how they were to be baptized. Now, we want to know the meaning. It has a symbolical meaning. We've already mentioned that. The meaning of baptism. It's a public, open declaration of what has already happened to you as an individual in your heart and in your life. You've already 
spiritually accepted Christ and you're dead to sin, you have a new life, you have a new life in Christ, and this symbolizes what's already happened to you. This shows in picture or in symbol the fact that you are arisen in a new life, that you're already a Christian, that you're not uh, in your condition of being dead and trespassed and sin any longer, but you have been risen with Christ. John chapter 5 verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, listen carefully, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So the believer is passed from what? Death unto life. So you're already alive spiritually. But baptism shows that to the general public, to the world. Shows it to everyone that wants to see it. You're obeying also Christ's command. As a true child of God, by faith in Him, you're obeying His command. Jesus commanded those that become His disciples to be baptized. And also in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 47-48, when the house of Cornelius was saved, listen carefully, it says, Can any man forbid water, Peter says, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we, that already received the Spirit of God? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So those who are already saved, he commanded them to be baptized. So you're obeying Christ's command. You're believing that what the Lord said he wants you to do, you're going to do it. And you're following Christ's example by being baptized like Jesus was. Jesus set the example by being baptized and having others to be baptized. And you're openly claiming Christ as Savior. You know, when a a couple, before they get married... They pledge their faith to each other. They they become engaged. They say, well, you know, we're for each other. And then they set a date for marriage. And then they take their vows. They already dedicated each other, but this this these marriage vows makes it official. This lets everyone know that they have received each other and they're going to become husband and wife. They're openly and publicly proclaiming their allegiance to each other and they're letting other people know that they are married. I've used this illustration time and time again and I don't want to wear it out, but it's so one of the easiest ways that I can explain. When I was 17 years old, I joined the Navy. I went down here to Roswell, signed up, and enlisted in the Navy. But when you sign all those papers and it's all signed and sealed, you're in the Navy. Whether you look like it or not or act like it or not, you're already there. There's nothing you can do to change it. Well, they put me on a bus and they shipped me up to, to uh, Santa Fe and we stayed all night there. And then they put me on a train. We go out to San Diego and I get out to San Diego. They cut all my hair off and they tell you what to do and you better do it. And anyway, to make a long story short, then you go before a line there where they have clothing and all the sailor uniforms and everything, and they issue you a uniform. And when you put that uniform on, you not only are in the Navy, but you let other people know by your uniform on the outside that that's the kind of suit you have on. You're in the Navy, and when people see that sailor uh, suit, they say, well, that guy's in the Navy. Or the same thing when you're a Christian. You're already saved. You're already signed up. You already belong to the Lord. You're safe and secure. But when you go in those waters of baptism, you're declaring to the world that you're a Christian. It's been known through the years that when someone would say, so-and-so was baptized, you talk about some individual out there that was baptized. You say, well, oh, brother, uh, John over there got baptized last Sunday. Well, it's assumed that he became a Christian, and that's he's showing that he was a Christian by being baptized. 
And that's exactly what it means. You're following Christ's example and you're openly claiming Christ as your Savior. You're identifying yourself with Christ's death and burial and resurrection. You're reckoned to be, as the scripture says, to be uh, buried as a sinner and alive as a Christian. Because Christ died in your place, you were crucified with him. And we find that God makes baptism a joyful occasion. We find in the book of uh, Acts chapter 8, it says he went on his way rejoicing. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. He was rejoicing because he had done what he knew to be right to do. There are so many things that we could say about it, but I don't want to bore you and keep you long. But let me just sum up. Baptism is an open profession of one's faith in Christ. It's an open profession. Baptism is a picture of Christ's death and burial and resurrection. Baptism is following Christ's example. That This baptism that you participate in was from heaven, and we have the scriptures to show you that, and it's from God. And in this baptism, we justify God. We justify him by saying that we're sinners and that he is the is provided for our salvation. And in this baptism, we have heaven's recognition that we're openly declared to be children of God. And it states that we want to live a new life in Jesus Christ. And, you know, I believe that uh, all of these here that uh, have um, come for baptism today realize that the first thing that they've done, they put their faith in Jesus for their salvation. Jesus who died for our sins. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. That's Colossians 1.14, Ephesians 1.7. And there are multiplied numbers of scriptures that we could give you this morning that we will not, but we show that we have our faith in Christ and that we're openly declaring uh, that we want to follow the Lord in baptism and identify ourselves with him publicly and openly, showing that we're not ashamed that we're a child of God and declaring it to the world.